Well, good evening. It is awesome to be with y'all and awesome to be together for Sabbath tonight. So if you turn with me, we will be in Amos chapter 1. If you're in the church's Bible, it will be on page 1056. Alright, so tonight we will study the third of the seven judgments against the different nations before we get to Israel. So we'll be studying tonight about Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And if you have a map, if you're looking at a map, it is northwest of Israel. And Tyre is still around today and it is in the country of Lebanon. So Tyre is, is still a, a very important city, a port city for the Phoenician people who were famous for their dyes, especially the color purple. So the word uh, Phoenician actually comes from this idea of a purple garment. And so they are known for these purple garments, and this is important because much of their trade um, has its origins in some of the places that we'll study about tonight. So Amish used this city of Tyre to represent God's judgment against this entire nation in Phoenicia. So read with me. We'll be in chapter 1. We'll read verses 9 and 10. Amos says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Tyre, and for four, I will not return its punishment, because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom, and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, which shall devour its palaces. Thus says the Lord. So if you remember the things that we've studied the last couple of weeks, a pattern has begun to build. So the first judgment that we read was to Damascus, and they were charged with the cruelty and torture of Israelites in battle. The next place that we studied was against Gaza, who is to the southwest of Israel, and they were charged with selling Israelites from battle into slavery to Edom. So this funnel is kind of getting smaller and more narrow because tonight this charge is against Gaza, who will sell the Israelites after battle into slavery to Edom as well, But it's even worse than that. We read that Israel were their covenant brothers. So Amos tells us that they've done the exact same horrible things that the other nations, but they did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So this place, covenant, is a place that we um, well know. Covenant is a Hebrew word, berit, which comes from a verb that means to cut. So we think about how the Ten Commandments were cut in or carved in or hacked into stone. In a similar way, the word covenant comes from a verb that means to cut. So a covenant represents a compact, a treaty, an agreement. And most of the time the word covenant is used, it is preceded by this word to cut, And it gives this technical image of cutting a covenant. 
Covenants are mentioned throughout Scripture. We read of them as agreements between people and nations like Abraham and the Amorites in Genesis, between individuals like Jacob and Laman in Genesis. We read of the covenant of marriage in Proverbs. God describes making a covenant with mankind in the Psalms where he becomes friends with man through covenant. God made covenants through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and with all Israel on Mount Sinai. So this word that we know is critical for our relationship with the Lord, this is the word that is used that was broken between these two nations, a city entire, and between the Israelites. Even more, this covenant was so close that these two nations considered themselves brothers. It says that they forgot the covenant of brotherhood. So these words are independent, very significant to be known as brother nations or sister nations, to be kinfolk, so to speak. And to be in covenant is to be in a contract, a league, or an alliance. But when we pair these words together, it is even more significant than meets the eye. So the charge against them made them worse than Gaza or worse than Damascus because they were like brothers and blood. So this betrayal, you can imagine, from one's brothers is even greater than just acquaintances. And if we think of someone like Joseph's own brother selling him into slavery in this picture, so it is so in the story we'll read about tonight. So there is a a long-standing relationship that Israel has with this city Tyre and with the Phoenicians. And it begins with David and Solomon. So turn with me, we'll go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. If you're in the church's Bible, it will be on page 355. 2 Samuel chapter 5. So you'll remember what's going on here in 2 Samuel. That there is this long period since God has told David that he will be the one to be king. A long time since he was anointed while tending his father's sheep. And and even time after he had killed Goliath. And it was apparent that he was the heir to God's throne as Saul had um, been told that he would no longer be God's anointed and God's king. So let's read in chapter 5 verses 10 through 12. It says, so David went on and became great, and the Lord of God, excuse me, the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. So after all that's happened with David, you remember all the different accounts of David running to and fro from Saul and and this long period before David was even really made king over Judah and even a longer period before Israel would also accept David as king. But God has done it. And here we have 
the Lord establishing David as king over Israel. And the first thing that happens, we read in verse 11, is that Hiram, who is the king of Tyre, the king of the nation that we're reading about back in Amos, Hiram, king of Tyre, sends messengers to build David a house in Jerusalem. It was many miles from Tyre to Jerusalem, and and I didn't actually look at that to see how many, but it, it is a nation away that they are. So this king, for some reason, sends messengers, sends materials, sends laborers and workers to build a house for David. It says, and David knew this to be confirmation of God's anointing over him. And this is our first mention of this king, Hiram. Next, let's turn over to 1 Kings. And 1 Kings will be in chapter 5. Now much has happened in, in, in between these periods of time. David has become king. The Lord has allowed David to have a house built in Jerusalem in the city that God would establish his kingdom. But the Lord has told David that he has been a man of war, that there has been battles all around him, and so he would not be the one to build a temple for the Lord. We know lots of other things happen, but Solomon is David's son who would be heir to the throne. And so we'll pick up here with Solomon. In 1 Kings 5, we'll read verses 1 through 12. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which are fought against every side of him until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God as the Lord spoke to my father David saying, Your son whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Now therefore, command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon, and my servants will be your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know there is none among us who has skill to cut timber like the Sidonians. So it was when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed Be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over the great people. Then Hiram said to Solomon, I have considered the message which you sent me, and I will do all you desire concerning the cedar and the cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea. I will float them in rafts by the sea to the place you indicate to me, and you will have them broken apart there. Then you can take them away. You shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. Then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as for his household, and 20 cores of pressed oil. Then Solomon gave Hiram year by year. So the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, and he, as he had promised him, 
And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. So this is really an amazing story if, if we allow it to be. I mean, Solomon inherits the throne from David. We know there is much that goes on in between these things that are not all things that God would fully approve and God's desire, but God allows Solomon to be anointed king. And as soon as this takes place, Hiram, who we have not heard of in any verses preceding these two passages, will now send his messengers for Solomon to congratulate him on this. So Solomon tells him, look, my father was a man of war, just like we discussed, but would you send the cedars of Lebanon? These were powerful timbers. They were well known for not just their strength, but their um, their adornment as wood. So will you send these to me from Lebanon where you are? Will you build me a great temple? Hiram was known as a craftsman and a builder and had done some great things. So he, he wants him to, to bless him with a temple and a house just like he built his dad a temple. So Hiram responds, I love this, he says in verse 7, Blessed be the Lord for this day. I mean, it's pretty crazy what we're reading that this king that has so little to do with really David or Solomon has this connection that he would say, Blessed be your Lord for this day. So he says, Of course, I will do all that you have said. I'll commission the cedars from Lebanon and I'll help build the Lord's temple. Then we come down to verse 12. So the Lord gave Solomon wisdom and as he had promised him, and there was peace between these two men. This is so important because nations didn't simply have peace between each other for no reason, right? What nation that borders us do we have peace with that is not worked out diligently? So it was in the Middle East in these days. And it said, but the, there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. Now your translation may say covenant, but this is our same word, berit, that we know back from Amos. So this is the background that establishes these two nations, Tyre and Israel, just 200 years before what Amos is giving a judgment against. For Israel had been invaded and sold into slavery by their brothers in the covenant. So I want us to understand some things that I think are critically important for this story as well. Turn back with me to, well actually, stay right here. We're going to go... We're going to start in verse 13 of, of chapter 5 here. Because we read of this betrayal that we understand in Amos, but there is betrayal among Solomon as well. So we've just read in chapter 5 verse 12 that the Lord gave Solomon wisdom that these men were at peace together, that their nations had entered into a treaty. Verse 13 begins with a very important word, then. To distinguish verse 13 from what is in verse 12, then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel 
and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts, and they were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adon Aram was in charge of the labor force. Let me be clear that this word in Hebrew is better understood forced labor. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried the stone and mountains. Besides 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in their work. And we could read on more about what is said here, but we should understand at the very minimum that Solomon forced 30,000 men into forced labor. Then it mentions 70,000 common laborers and 80,000 quarry workers, so close to 180,000 of his own Israelite brothers into slavery to build the temple. Turn with me uh, over a few chapters to 1 Kings chapter 9. We'll begin reading in nine, chapter 9, verse 10. Now it happened at the end of the 20 years, so this was 20 years as the temple is being built, 20 years that 180,000 Israelites were in slavery building God's temple. Now it happened at the end of the 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired that King Solomon then gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. Then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, but they did not please him. So he said, What kind of cities are these that you have given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul, as they are to this day. Then Hiram sent the king 120 talents of gold. So now we have the temple being completed. Hiram has held up all of his end of the bargain. He has sent all the cords of cedars from Lebanon for the temple to be built. He has supplied workers for Solomon to have help build the temple. And in exchange, we're told now that Solomon has offered to give him 20 cities in Galilee. So Solomon thanked thanked him by giving him what were 20 unsettled cities in Galilee. The Hebrew word here actually has this idea that these were not well-developed, burgeoning, cosmopolitan areas, maybe like Jerusalem. But these were 20 cities that had little going on that were not to be desired. So when Hiram saw the cities, it's, it's as if he scoffed. It says that he was not pleased. And he calls the cities Kabul, which is so interesting that it says that they are, they are named this to this day, and this territory is still named in Lebanon, Kabul, till this day. And this name means good for nothing. So these cities that were given were called good for nothing. Hiram sarcastically then calls Solomon brother. 
Thanks for these good-for-nothing cities, brother. Even worse, Solomon was giving land that didn't belong to him. He was giving land that belonged to the Lord in exchange for the services that were provided. See, when Solomon made this agreement before, he never mentioned that these cities were going to be given. We're not told why he gave them. We're not told what this icing on the cake was, but these cities were given in vain. They weren't to be given anyway, and they were given and they were received with displeasure. Even though all of this had been the case, verse 14 says, Then Hiram sent the gold 120 talents of gold. So Hiram honors this agreement. And he sends the gold to Solomon. So Solomon has enslaved his own kin, the Israelites, to build the Lord's temple. Now here's the thing, I I don't know how God's temple could have been built. I don't know that in all of the wisdom God had given Solomon, if Solomon was listening, what God would have ordered to happen. But it said then. It said after God was giving this marvelous understanding and peace and unity between these two people, then Solomon did this. With hard work to build not just God's palace, but then another home for Solomon. See, there had already been built a kingly home that was a gift from Hiram before. But now another home was built. He mistreated his people and created a yoke too heavy for them to bear. There are scriptures that we could read about how there were internal wars and struggles going on amongst the family of Solomon and David and their descendants because of the mistreatment of God's people. Solomon didn't even want to do it himself. It says that he made somebody Adonanam to be the taskmaster over the Israelites. So because of this, the Israelites of the north and east would rebel against Solomon's son Rehoboam. Solomon's son Rehoboam was to take the throne of all Israel and Judah. As he tried to take the throne, the kingdom split. They did not want to be under this king who had actually become far worse than his father Solomon. Rehoboam became the worst version of Solomon and became a taskmaster himself and continued slavery in Israel over their people, Israelites. Rehoboam was rejected and Israel and Judah split into two nations. So the 12 tribes, uh, excuse me, the 10 tribes of Israel chose Jeroboam I, who was Solomon's servant, And the division happened between Israel and Judah. Wow. It really changes the understanding of this prophecy that we're reading about that is a judgment not on Israel, but against this group of covenant brother breakers. So turn back with me to Amos and let's let's read this verse anew. Amos 
in chapter 1, verse 9, says, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, which shall devour its palaces. Thus says the Lord. So, I can only imagine the hearers of this word that are in one sense delighted against the judgment against a now enemy nation that has sold their brothers and sisters and their children into slavery. But at the same time, hearing the very indictment against their own nation. So, God is punishing Tyre for breaking their covenant with Israel, obviously. But I believe that God is addressing the certain sin that Solomon participated in, in both dealing stingily with Hiram, and not honoring that covenant, and also enslaving his own people. But for us today, I marvel at these pictures. Because what I see is how marvelously and effortlessly the relationship between David and Solomon and this king of Hiram, King Hiram of Tyre, came together. Right? The passages that we read are the only passages that really describe these relationships. There's a few more in Chronicles and Kings that are simply duplicates, but these are the only passages. So we have this this rare connection where this king will send his messengers to establish a relationship with David and then Solomon to build them houses for their protection and for their God to dwell. He pursued Israel. Do you see that? David and Solomon did nothing to earn or deserve or build this relationship. He pursued them. I believe this is the picture of God's covenant love for us. I believe that Hiram is a picture for us to understand that God's covenant love for us pursues us. He has made a house for us to dwell and for protection. And he has built a house for himself to be worshipped by us. I believe that God's designs for covenants in and of themselves are greater than I've understood because what a covenant's design is is to give favor between two parties for relationship in order to bring about His purpose. Think about the different places that we've seen covenants in Scripture between people that are aligning as nations or between a husband and a wife that are coming together in marriage and those seem like great things and we want to use covenantal language when we say those things but God's design for covenants is far grander than ours because his ends are eternal so I believe that God has granted favor between these two unlikely kings and David and Hiram and David and Solomon for his purpose in order to bring about his ends So if we think of it this way, if God's covenantal ways are spirit-led, 
And I believe that God's Spirit allowed and anointed and brought these things to be in these, these two different situations. Then we must continue in Spirit-led ways as God's covenantal people. What if Solomon did not squander all God what, was, what God was doing? There would not be enmity between these two places that should be one, right? Do we see that spiritual picture of God's design and God's plan? But he did. And so there was punishment for both. It is far too easy to develop our own expectations and relationships with other believers. Instead, we are to be spirit-led to understand God's plan as we maintain His ways in loving brothers and sisters in Christ. Not looking to what we're receiving, but how we're keeping and honoring the Lord's name. Oh, if Solomon would have done what the Lord would have allowed him to do. A nation that could have continued to provide protection and covering for Israel. See, this nation entire, if you look on a map, is, is just to the north and to the west. A port city that, that trade was cut off after this. A port city that could have been a protector and an agent in God's work. A nation that sold them into slavery. God has designed for us His people to be in covenant as the body of Christ, to give us favor and relationship with each other to bring about His purpose. I want us to close with a reading of one scripture, so turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. One of my favorite passages that has been made more full through understanding these places in Amos. So if you would read with me in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. Paul is writing about this incredible idea that is, is so difficult to grasp if we are not being spirit led in our understanding of what a covenant people are to do in the way that they love one another. Paul says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, by having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I pray that it would be so for us. Amen.
So tonight we will study the third of the seven judgments against the different nations before we get to Israel. So we'll be studying tonight about Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And if you have a map, if you're looking at a map, chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. It says, so David went on... So tonight we will study the third of the seven judgments of gold against the different nations. So now we have the temple being completed. So we'll be studying tonight about Tyre. Good afternoon and welcome to Highlander Stadium, Town Raiders. Max Bean on the carry.
To be the best, you have to rise above the rest. Audi dealer in Texas, Magna Society winner. We're proud to support Highland Park ISD and all fighting Scots. Let our high-performing team secure your next winning drive at Audi Dallas. First and ten for Highland Park if they want to take their first lead of the game with the opening score. Store, a design quarterback run. Nearly decapitated as he was grabbed way up high. Boy, almost a dangerous play there. No, nothing malicious. But uh, that, that's going to be 15, and that was easy to see. Yeah, that, that's going to be a personal foul for sure. And, and uh, Storr, of course, don't, won't have to leave the game. But um, when, you're, when you're rushing like that, he was going full speed. Scott's had a little quarterback draw, Ooh. a little quarterback power. And uh, you just grab for whatever you can. And it happened to be Storr's helmet that time. So yeah. um, give the kid credit. I mean, he wasn't, um, you know, he was kind of apologetic as he went, walked by Storr. Jeremiah Rugely there on the stop. And, you know, credit the training staff and then everything these guys do in the offseason, the mat drills, the stretching, the yoga, you know, to put your body in a position to be able to take a play like that. You and I, we have our heads torqued like that. It ain't going very well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can watch it right here. It looks like it's just a little quarterback draw and Yikes. just had it completely ripped off. And, again, he was he had overrun the play. I mean, it's exactly what a draw play is supposed to do, let the rush go up the field. and. And uh, he had overrun it, so he reaches back, and the only thing he could grab was Brennan's helmet. So uh, uh, he was trying to make a play, just grabbed a little, the, grabbed the wrong thing. So Scott's now set up first and goal inside the 10, so a real opportunity for them to take the early lead. First and goal here from the 8. The Scott's knocking on the door in this second quarter. The give to Reeves up the middle, not much doing. Let's check in for the first time tonight downstairs with Madison Lambert. Thanks, Miles. I'm down here on the sideline, and I can say the energy down here is loud. It's a packed house tonight. Where I'm standing, I can see lots of little kids hanging out, cheering on their team. It's going to be a great night. Thank you, Madison. Great stuff down there from Madison and Will Washington, as, we, as usual. Got a stacked roster here with Game On Sports. Store with two backs. It's Crowsdale and Reeves. And they run the option. There's Crowsdale on the catch. Stacked up at the five. Big spot in the game here, David Clark. Both these teams are going to need to make the most of their opportunities with the stingy defense being played. Yeah, they really are, and, and you got to come away with some kind of points. Uh, we remember, mentioned that the, the last year's game was 18-13. to 13. you got to come away with some points when you're in the red zone. And uh, that time it was, uh, it was a nice little lead option there, and uh, Brendan made the right read, and a good play by the Lobos to get uh, uh, Crowsdale on the ground. Third and goal from the five. Rutledge in motion. Storr rolls that way, throwing. Rutledge at the goal line, touchdown Highland Park. Boy, that's a great play. That's that little uh, guy goes in motion. He runs a little out route, gets to the goal line, and, and Rutledge ran it perfectly. Uh, credit the, the, the Scots. Uh, it's probably Herring on that side that was able to, uh, to take the defense uh, inside, and, um, and really a great job. Great play call again by Coach Allen. Bob Lilly promotions touchdown. Nice block out there by Christian Reeves. It's number 66, Sam Heinrich on for the extra point. Snap, hold, everything looks good. It's 7-0 Scots. Let's talk to Will Washington. Will? Miles, one of the things you can really see down here on the sidelines, the way some of these little 
tricky formations that Highland Park's using. It's really stressing the communication on the long view defense. You can see they're communicating down to the very last second here. So we'd love to see Highland Park use some more of those formations, some of those motions and things like that to try to get long view communicating down to the wire there. Willow Bend Mortgage Company sideline report. How about our first drive recap of the night? Nine plays, 43 yards, three minutes and 49 seconds off of the clock. Those drive recaps brought to you by Assert Capital Management. Yeah, and I think it was Heist that uh, brought two double coverage. He ran that little corner route. Yeah, it's Heist on the right side. Heist on the right side, and he made the made the nice play and, and uh, drew double coverage out there, and, and they left John Rutledge. Uh, the, the second level guy um, wide open there at the goal line so good job by uh, Heist to uh, draw double coverage there and uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, the success he's had near the goal line um, they've got to be aware of him and going up and getting the ball just like uh, Herring on the other side I mean David Clark this corner is 5'10 150, 5'11 155 the safety's 5'5 145 5'10 170 they know that Herring and Heist have inches on the outside Here's Jack Stone doing what he does best. Kicking off for the first time tonight, the Michigan State commit. Sends one deep. It's fumbled out of bounds at the five. A critical error here on the Davidson Vogel Real Estate kickoff. That is a huge, huge mistake. Let's see if the Scots can make them pay for that. But uh, that's, that's one of those things when that ball is going to go in the end zone, you don't even go back and touch it because something bad. see is they're shuttling some player in, in back and forth. They usually don't 
you know, call the quarterback over and wear him out. But, uh, you know, you might sh uh, shuttle a wide receiver in or, or uh, you know, some uh, some position that's pretty equal as far as playing time and ends up wearing out those guys too. So uh, it's it's a hard thing to do. The signaling has really saved a lot of energy, I think. Second and ten, handoff left side. Hitting the hole hard is Jarrett Lewis. And they have that advantage, Coach. I want you to speak to the difference between a handoff from the shotgun and a handoff in the eye formation and why running backs want to be in the eye. Well, you see that, that running back lines up. He's about seven yards from the line of scrimmage. And it's uh, get, he's getting the ball. Even if he's coming forward, he's still got five yards, and he can see the hole, he can see the crease, and you see great running backs like that opportunity to use their vision and look for cutback lanes, and there's a little same thing right there. On the counter, look streaking out. down the sideline. Nice play over there by Rark to push him out, but there goes Jarrett Lewis reeling off a quick 20 for the Lobos. You know, the, Scott, the Scots getting the Lobos pinned back there was uh, – really one of those opportunities where Coach King can just challenge his team and challenge his offensive line and say, you know what, let's just grind this thing out. We're running the ball, and uh, and they're really doing it right now. They're doing it on the ground. So it's important that the Scots uh, get them behind the sticks a little bit with a good stop on first down and uh, make them change their game plan a little bit. If they're getting four or five yards on first down, they're going to keep pounding the ball. The Scots are going to have a lot of different defensive linemen in there. Ellis and Richter just checked out for Schauber. Jurgaban play action. Boy, Schauber had him dead to rights. Wasn't sure if he had the ball, I don't think. And Allen and the Longview Lobos get away with one there as Daniel Schauber had his chance at the second sack of the year. Yeah, you know, that was probably an example where Schauber came through so easily that he was he's, his instinct is I'm, I, they're going to run a screen. And, uh, you know, coach tells you when, you're, when it's easy, something's, uh, you know, you Thumbs should be up. a little queasy. So, uh, <laughs> You need to be looking at screen. I think Shaver really thought there was a screen coming, so he kind of stopped his his pursuit there. So, uh, uh, but that was great. And here you get them behind the sticks a little bit. Uh, they tried to have a big play on first down, and, and uh, Scott's really got them. They can make a play here in this series. Allen rolling underneath. There's the fullback. Nice job out there by Gallus in space. Shoves him out of bounds. William Scribner checked in for that last defensive snap. 16 tackles on the year for Scribner at middle linebacker. And Coach, the Scots, they've been preparing for this one long before Saturday or, or Sunday. They, they knew for a long time this was going to make their season, and schematically, they've been ready for this challenge. Yeah, usually uh, during an off week, you have a chance to, uh, to look at who your rival game is going to be, and I'm sure the Scots uh, uh, looked at a little bit more tape and maybe lined up uh, – uh, and just looked at a couple of tight end sets and things where they can get a feel for what they're going to be experiencing here uh, with the Lobos tonight. So um, it looks like the, the Scots uh, really got to stand up and, and stop this running game. And this is a big play right here, Miles. They got them behind the sticks uh, on second and 10, and then they made a, a nice little passing game. But I still like the idea of them getting them in the in, and feeling like they have to throw to make a first down. Bank Original with two convenient locations in the Park Cities. It's Origin Bank. They sponsor our timeouts. They've played a bunch of different defensive alignment. David Clark and Chip Burt, who they're glad to have on this staff, does a great job with that group. Wilson Roberts, Kyle Carlson, Spencer Brown, Henry Richter, Judge Ellis, all those guys in the ball game so far, and especially last week in Sherman, they rotated a bunch of folks. 
Yeah, I agree, and it's you're going to have to keep them fresh tonight because they're going to get a pounding here. So uh, I agree with that. The depth will really pay off. Quick Willowbin Mortgage Company sideline report. Thanks, Miles. And as you can see behind me, the Longview Band is lining up to get ready to perform at halftime. Something special about the Longview Band is that they specialize in military marching, which really distinguishes them from other bands. And they hold the record for the state consecutive superior rankings in a state contest. So super great, super awesome band, and one to pay attention to at halftime. It should be a great halftime show. We'll also have a presentation for Johnny Ringo, Randy Allen, and John King if they hand it here to the beat back. Jarrett Lewis across the 45. George Wright makes the tackle to move the chains. And yeah, I like Madison's report there because Longview, they just they just do everything well. I think they're very similar to Highland Park, just a couple, three hours east, and they take pride in everything they do. But, you know, I mentioned at the pregame that it's a one-school town, and it's, uh, um, you know, they, they really love Lobo football, and, and uh, I guess pine trees on the outside outskirts, but... Uh, um, the Scots are the same way. We're in the middle of a city, and it's a one high school town, so it's a, it's a lot of community support. Stack formation to the left. They hand it here to Taylor Tatum, and he's strung out. Great play there by Daniel Schauber, as well as Jack Curtis. Schauber from his nose guard spot makes the play. That's the first time they've tried to run stretch, run the perimeter, uh, and the Scots were ready for it. Had a lot of good position players that time. Shawver again getting in the mix and, and you mentioned Curtis is right there too. A lot of guys there. That that may not be the answer for them. They need to keep it between the tackles where they've had a lot of success. How about Curtis on the year? 31 tackles but 11 for loss. 3 sacks 22 quarterback hurries. The next closest man on the team I believe has 5 quarterback hurries. So show you the production that Curtis gets. He's also knocked down 3 passes at the line and re recovered a fumble. Flag down here. This is going to be a delay of game against Longview unless they got a timeout in. John King's going to be hot over this one because this is not a mistake they wanted to make. This will push them all the way back across midfield. Yeah, again, they don't want to get behind the sticks, and they are deep behind the sticks this time. So it kind of forces them into a to be one-dimensional, and they do not want to be one-dimensional and let the Scots have a have a, a little bit of a free run here if they, they think they need to throw. So... Let's see if they kind of stay with their, their game and, and run the football. They've been successful inside the tackles. Our referee is Nathan Maxson, Dallas chapter. Straight drop. They want to go deep. That's double coverage. It's intercepted. Preston Taylor has it. He fumbled the football, and it's picked up by the Lobos. Oh, my gosh. What a oh, great my <laughs> gosh. Longview will have it at the 22. Oh, what a, what a turnaround there. Preston Taylor got the ball knocked out of his hand. What a great strip job there by probably the receiver. I didn't see a number there to see who did it. Let's see if we can get it on a on a replay. But it'll go down as a as a turnover. Preston Taylor with a great great catch. Wow. Let's see if we can see this. Great catch by Taylor. Caught the back of the football as it was trailing, and then 34 ends up getting a hand over the top. That.